Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today. Thanks for listening. Today is going to be a market update day. So we haven't talked about the markets and the elections and all that kind of stuff uh, for quite a while. Had a lot of other exciting things. The last couple of weeks we talked about some estate planning things and offered the home-going packet for uh, those listeners who wanted a copy of that. And I must say, wow, we had a, a tremendous response for that. Uh, many, many, many of you have requested that document. And so we're glad to put that in your hands, and hopefully you found it very helpful and will find it a, a good way to organize your um, your your final affairs and your planning where your documents are, letting other people know who are going to take care of your financial affairs when you're gone, where those documents are, how to get a hold of them, how to pay for things, and many, many other things that are on in that inside that document. So it's a good document. If you happen to not get that document or don't know what I'm talking about, you can go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and you can pick up a copy. So the one that aired on uh, September 26th, at the bottom of the narrative where it talks about what we discussed, it says you can download a copy here. And so feel free to, to get that. Of course, you can always send an email to me if you want to, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com and ask for the home-going packet. We did have one caller ask last week. She called in and said, can I can I make copies? Is it copyrighted? And so I used an old Ron Blue saying. So Ron Blue used to be asked quite frequently about his financial, uh, biblical financial books, and he would ask, he would be asked if they are copyrighted. So he said, yes, they are. Make sure you copy them right. So you copy it correctly, <laughs> copyright. So, yeah, there's no no uh, restrictions on that. Feel free to make as many copies as you need to. Distribute that to wh- whomever you think would be of benefit. It would be a benefit to them, and we'd be happy to help them out. But if you want a fresh copy, like I said, you can go to the Talking Money Radio website, look under that September 26th episode, and at the bottom of that, you'll see where it says click here for that or send me an email at uh, mike at talkingmoneyradio.com and we'll get that right out to you. So I, I really do. Um, it was encouraging to, to see all the people that that are actually listening and uh, and wanted to see a copy of that. So it was great. So uh, we're talking about uh, you know forecasting or really looking to see what's going to happen in the market. Everybody would love to know someone that has a crystal ball that works, that you can look at that crystal ball and you can see here's what's going to happen. I've talked to a number of individuals, some of my golf buddies and some other people just tell me, look, I'm just not, I'm just sitting in cash. I'm sitting in bonds in cash until after the election. And that's your prerogative. If you get uh, afraid, you're, you're afraid of keeping invested, afraid of what's going to happen, uh, which, whichever way it goes. Uh, and, and many people that I talk to in my circles are, are afraid that it's going to be a, a Biden Harris um, administration. But if you look at, Past history, that has not been the case with the stock market. The stock market doesn't automatically just decline like it did, didn't with when Obama. Many of us would like to have seen it, I guess, but certainly the kinds of policies that that put get put in place over their tenure as in their administrations can have a longer term effect on things. But typically, if things are starting to go too bad, we've got two years and we're going to have another election and we'll have a mid midterm election. And we, we can change the things pretty pretty quickly if we don't like the way things are going. So uh, Americans are pretty good about that. I should say United States Americans are pretty good at that. So, uh, But we want to talk and give at least a little idea of what um, some other people are saying. But I want to start off with a few sayings 
So our market perspectives, this is something that Ronald Blue Trust puts out. I'm going to go over a lot of things that Ronald Blue Trust investment team has put together uh, on the market perspectives. But one of the, one of the first documents that they put in this last, uh, one of these last PowerPoints that they had to show and, and, and I'll offer to you a little later how you can get a copy because we're going to listen to Brian McClard, the director of investments for Ronald Blue Trust at the, after the bottom of the hour and get his take on what's coming up with the election and so forth. And there's a PowerPoint presentation that goes with that that I'll be glad to uh, send to you if you want to get the actual slides that go along with his with his talk. It's um, So it's a little bit odd, and sometimes you refer to the slides, but I think it's, it's clear enough of what he's saying that we don't need to see the slides. Unfortunately, this is radio, so we can't do that. But some of the people he quoted... Say this, uh, on the thoughts on forecasting, the only function of economic forecasting is to make astrology look respectable. That was John Kenneth Galbraith, economist and author. Another one, we've long felt that the only value of stock forecasters is to make fortune tellers look good. That was uh, Warren Buffett. We all know who that is. Another one, I'd, I'd advise you to approach the entire subject of forecasts and forecasters with extreme mistrust. That's Howard Marks. He's the author and co-founder of Oak Tree Capital Management. So this is somebody who actually manages money, or at least used to. Uh, the last one, I don't believe in predicting the markets. I believe in buying great companies, especially companies that are undervalued and or underappreciated. So investing for the long term but not trying to predict. You're investing. You're not speculating. So a lot of people that are going in and out of the market, you're really speculating. You're not investing with Companies with managers who are doing what Peter Lynch said, and that was the last quote was from Peter Lynch, longtime manager of Fidelity Magellan, and many people listening don't remember that name if you're younger, but uh, he was a, a great money manager. Retired at a good time, retired at a peak, but he's still often quoted with some of his advice and some of the philosophies that he used while he was managing that Fidelity Magellan fund for so many years. And when it got to be very, 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 very big, he got out of a good time because when when a um, mutual fund gets to be super large, it's it's more difficult typically for that fund manager to repeat the the historical performance that they've had because there's too many dollars in there trying to find new names. They got to find new companies to buy that are going to perform as well as the other ones have performed in the past. So a couple of recent. And, and given all that, now we're not going to forecast, but I'll at least give you some of the stats. So a recent uh, article, this was a week ago Friday in the, in the um, Wall Street Journal. The headline of the article said, Solid Demand Sustains Factory Rebound. So I'll give you some positive news here. U.S. manufacturing activity continues to rebound from the sharp downturn in the spring when factories closed to contain the spread of the new coronavirus. The Institute, the ISM, Institute for Supply Management, said... Its Purchasing Managers Index of Manufacturing Activity registered 55.4 in September, indicating the fourth straight month of expansion. So anything above 50 in that ISM Manufacturing Index is an indication of expansion. And it says, despite the gains, manufacturing activity in August remained 7.3% below its February level, according to the Federal Reserve data. But still, it's, it's heading in the right direction and going up. Another article on September 30th, just a couple of days before that, entitled uh, in the Wall Street Journal, Consumers Grow More Confident. So consumers are growing more optimistic about the state of the U.S. economy, according to September surveys, as the labor market continued to gradually improve 
and a summer coronavirus surge receded in parts of the country. The conference board, a private research group, said its index of consumer confidence surged to 101.8 in September from a revised 86.3 in August. The increase was the biggest since April 2003. So that's pretty big. Of course, it had a lot of ways to go probably from going up than that downturn. So the a little later in that article, consumer bullishness is likely reflected in part consistent with consistent improvements in the labor market. So as the labor people go back to work, of course, they start feeling about better about how things are, are going. So when we get back from the break, we'll talk a little bit about the Lewis Navalier had some few comments just about the Labor Department payrolls, the unemployment rate, and that kind of thing. Then we're going to be talking about preparing your portfolio for an election, which is what uh, everybody wants to hear. If you've got a question for me, of course, you can always send an email to me if you want to, mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's one 800 5887526. Now back to talking money. We're coming up at about 19 after the hour here on Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're with us talking about the market, how to prepare your portfolio and for for the election and not just to uh, go hiding, you know, put everything in cash and just wait and see what happens. We never think. I never think that's the the best way to do things because it's too unpredictable. Too many too many factors. The economy is too dynamic to be doing those kind of things. But I will tell you a key to that to to that working is to make sure you don't have everything in the market. You know, I hear annuity salesmen talking about that, and they act like you know everybody's portfolio is completely in the market, and so they're taking these big huge drops in in their portfolio. And I think that's rare that everybody has. Everything in their portfolio in the stock market. Uh, that's your long-term bucket. That's not your short-term bucket. So you want to keep cash, even though that's if it feels like you're paying the bank to hold it for you now. Uh, that you keep some cash, keep some things liquid, so that uh, you have access to those funds that you may need for the next six months, year, three years. Some some of those uh, near-term needs that you have, whether it's regular monthly expenses that you have. Or it's some other kind of project you're working on that you're going to need money for. Maybe you need to buy a new car or whatever, a new roof, whatever it is. You'll keep that not in the market. And so if you have your short-term needs taken care of, then you should be more likely to be able to leave money alone and not panic when it goes when the market uh, takes a dip. And we've talked about this many times before. But uh, some positive news out there. So Louis Navalier in his blog earlier this week 
It was on Tuesday. He said the, on Friday, which would have been a week ago yesterday, the Labor Department reported that 661,000 payroll jobs were created, although they were expecting 800,000. But the October 2nd report date is uh, <clears throat> early in the month. This number is likely to be revised upward, he says. And the key factor here, the unemployment rate. So we're seeing that continually, consistently decline. The unemployment rate declined to 7.9%, down from 8.4%. That's a pretty big drop in, in one month as people go back to work. The economists were expecting the unemployment rate to go to 82 from 8.4%. Instead, it went to all the way to 79 said, overall, the details of the September payroll report were positive, he says. And then he ends up his article. Finally, the Labor Department announced that new employment, unemployment claims in the latest week declined to 837,000, down from a revised 873,000 the previous week. So there's some positive things going on. Another interesting, I find this very interesting, I don't see it in the, I didn't even see articles in the Wall Street Journal about this or anywhere else, but talking about Go. So what's Go? Gross Output. So there's uh, an economist, uh, Mark Skusen, who has been working on this for 30 years, and Gary Alexander had the opportunity to work with him back 30 years ago when he was first putting all this together. It is a, a different way of looking at how the economy is is working, how it's operating. So this is where I think it's positive news. All we see, all we hear about is the gross domestic product, the GDP. But there's concerns about that being uh, the only uh, factor that we looked at when we're looking at the total economy and how it's working. So Gary Alexander put out a, a blog earlier this week, and he talks about this go. So I'm going to explain it to you a little bit. So he starts off a quote by Lawrence Kudlow. Of course, he's the director of the president's National Economic Council. He was on CNBC. He said, uh, quote, though not one in 1,000 recognize it, it is business, not consumers, that is the heart of the economy. When businesses produce profitably, they create income-paying jobs, and then consumers spend. When you think logically about that, the consumer can't spend. The consumer will spend if they have money. There's no doubt about that. We can see that. That's the way we're all wired. But unless the businesses are profitable, they can't create that income. So when you hear uh, Biden-Harris talking about, oh, we're not going to, we're going to do all these f- fancy things for you. We're going to pay all these things for you. And the wealthy and businesses are going to pay more. Well, if you tax the businesses more, they can't create as many jobs. They can't put as much income in there. It affects the bottom line of the consumer. They just want to make it, make the, the average person who doesn't think about that. They think, oh, somebody else is paying for that. I'm not having to pay for that. And not realizing that, yes, they're going to pay for it eventually in the, in the back door somewhere. So, uh, he talks about last Wednesday, September 30th was a big day. He said, for the first time, the Bureau of Economic Analysis, the BEA, released the top line gross output. That's the go, gross output. At the same time, it published the bottom line GDP. And there was a great reason for a double celebration because GO revealed that the U.S. economy is much more resilient than it may seem. I thought that was great news. I wanted to pass that along to everybody. It says the structure of production, which outlined the need for refinement of gross domestic product calculations to take into account the stages of production from mining and manufacturing to end sales and consumption. For too long, GDP has proclaimed the consumer is 70% of the economy. When Skusen proved in great detail that that is not the case, GDP ignores those earlier stages of production. So Skusen said GDP is a one-dimensional statistic. 
showing final output only, is the door out of which all output leaves the store and goes home to the consumer. Go, the gross output, is three-dimensional, showing the entire guts of the total economy without shame for the dirty work required to get all those goods to market. In the most recent quarter, annualized GDP was $20 trillion, while Go is more than twice that at $42 trillion. And I thought that was an encouraging statistic to to share with everyone. <clears throat> so GDP is the final output only, while Go measures the total spending at all stages of the supply chain, which is like an advanced indicator of the direction of growth. In past recessions, Go declined much faster than GDP, so it gave us an early view of the depth of the recession. During the 2008 financial crisis, for instance, the fourth quarter Go fell 6.6%, or three times the 2% drop in fourth quarter GDP. Looking at 2020, we see a more positive comparison. In both the first and second quarters, Go fell less than GDP. In the second quarter, real Go declined 8.4%, while real GDP decreased by 9% in quarter non-annualized terms. It didn't collapse three times faster than GDP as it did in 2008. That tells us that businesses are expecting a recovery, a reopening. And then he quotes Jerry Boyer. So Jerry Boyer has been on Talking Money multiple times. It's been a little while since he's been on, but he's been on the show multiple times. He's uh, the head of Boyer Research. Uh, he says, he told Skusen, the lockdown was focused, uh, focused on sectors which were skewed towards final stage consumption, such as retail, entertainment, and travel. So the shutdown was skewed toward GDP, not go. So the economy could be more resilient in bouncing back than many anticipated. Using Go as a better, more accurate measure of total spending in the economy, the business sector, the business-to-business -business spending he's talking about, is almost twice the size of consumer spending. Consumer spending is the effect, not the cause, of prosperity. According to Say's Law, the creation of a product creates its own demand and a lot more. So he says later, Go will not replace GDP. They are complementary. Go is the top-line measure, and GDP is the bottom line. So he quotes later on, Skusen says, B2B spending is, in fact, a pretty good indicator of where the economy is headed, since it measures spending in the entire supply chain. Bottom line, he says, Go says the economy can recover fast if... <laughs> he should have capitalized and bolded this, if regulators will allow the economy to open up. Now, President Trump has done a fantastic job of reducing the regulations, and we don't see that. We don't feel it, but it shows up in, in the growth in the economy. So then I, I had an article I had already received from uh, by Jerry Boyer. Uh, it was put out by Vident, uh, and Vident is an investment firm that we use that uses Jerry as their uh, economist, one of their economists, and he posted this about Happy Go Day. Last week's economic CAT scan shows resiliency. So he talks about how that many of anticipators shown or talked about this Go statistic is Steve Forbes likes to call a, the Go the, um, as a CAT scan of the economy. So it looks three-dimensional. It looks at everything to see what's going on. So in, in uh, Jerry's article, he says, you may not know it, but when the economic commentators talk about GDP as though it refers to the nation's economic output, they really don't know what they're talking about. GDP and its predecessor, GNP, are based on a deeply flawed, Keynesian, distorted understanding of the economy. The statistics skews very heavily towards consumption, and that's not an accident. 
It came out of academic circles who had abandoned centuries of sound classical economics in favor of a flattened view of the economy which sees only consumption as important and spending as economic salvation. Go is the beginning of the end for flat earth economics. <laughs> That's pretty good. Then he talks about Steve Forbes in there. So GDP has its place, but honestly, in our analysis, its main place is to be subtracted from go. So we can isolate the production process. Its best use is to be taken out of the broader metric. Go less GDP frees the signal and lets, lets us hear the wisdom of the crowds, specifically the crowds of supply managers spread out over the globe that they have, and they have skin in the game. All right. So that was a pretty good talking about the, this new metric of go. That's uh, the gross output that we think is going to be a, a big help. All right, so we get back from the break. We're going to uh, get to a, um, a little commentary by Brian McClard, Director of Investments at Ronald Blue Trust. We'll listen to that, and I'll show you a way to get his PowerPoint slides uh, if you're interested in them. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? which is usually the common perspective, or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, Director of Family Matters, said it well, quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan, a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. I had one question from Keith who called in uh, just before the break. He didn't want to stay on the line, but he asked about the stimulus checks. There's still some people who are supposed to be getting some of those. We covered this uh, probably a few months ago when it was a very active, ongoing process. And his question was whether or not they were taxable. So the IRS states that no, the payment is not income and taxpayers will not owe tax on it. The payment will not reduce a taxpayer's refund or increase the amount they owe when they file their 2020 tax return next year. So essentially... Short answer, no. All right, so I've got, got a long segment here. It's about 10 minutes long. It's going to take most of this the third quarter, all this third quarter segment, and we'll have about 10 minutes left when we get uh, back from it. But Brian McClard, Chief uh, Director of Investments for Ronald Blue Trust, uh, heads up our team down in Atlanta, the national office, uh, put together a piece uh, talking about the just the economics overview. It is a PowerPoint presentation, so you're not going to see the slides. And you refer to slides every now and then, but I think you'll still get the gist of what he's talking about without seeing the slides. If you want to get the slides, you can send me an email, mike at talkingmoneyradio.com, and ask for the economics uh, 
overview, and I'll, I'll be sure to send you a, a link to that. I'm sure it's on the Ron Blue Trust website too somewhere. I didn't try to look for that, but maybe the easiest thing to do, and, and we'll we'll get it where it's, there's a link when we post this this show next week. We'll have a link to it if you want to wait till then to get the PowerPoint and the and the uh, actual audio of it as well. But I wanted to go ahead and, and play this for you so you can get a little idea of of uh, what our current thoughts are on economic overview. Overview. So here's Brian McClard, Director of Investments, Ron Blue Trust. You know, to level set things here, let's remember that COVID derailed the longest economic expansion that we've seen in our lifetimes. It effectively ended 10 and a half years of consecutive growth, and it really introduced some very startling and, and unfamiliar economic realities. For instance, you know, GDP was down almost 32% in second quarter on an annualized basis. That's just astonishing. And it also uh, wiped out 22 million jobs, which really is erasing an entire decade of job growth and then some. You know, of course, since then, uh, we've had a, a nice run back. We've recovered about 40% of those jobs, but we're still down about 13 million jobs from the high. And, of course, that means unemployment spiked. Uh, and that was expected. It was expected to actually reach 30% by year end, and it only made it to 15%, which is still a higher rate than what we saw have seen since the 1930s. And it's fallen abruptly, and since then we're down to about 8%. As states have attempted to reopen with varying degrees of success. And what we've graphed for you here are prior recessions and recovery periods. So you can see that historically, Unemployment comes down very slowly, and it's usually taken anywhere from three to nine years to really get back to full employment. For now, though, we're on a faster pace, and, of course, uh, we don't know, though, if the recession is over or not. But the signs are there that the economy is coming back rather quickly, and we can point to a number of them. The ISM Non-Manufacturing Index, it's simply a survey that monitors national economic conditions and services, right? And services make up most of the jobs in America. How you read this chart is that if, if there is a reading above 50, it signals that we're in an expansion. And the index is currently at 58, which is a very strong reading relative to really most other times over the last quarter century. And this isn't an anomaly. Its counterpart, the manufacturing index, is also signaling expansion. And so when you take the non-manufacturing index with the manufacturing index, they comprise about 90% of GDP. You know, or look at retail and food services, positive year over year. Debt and credit card spending, up 7% year over year. Growth is coming back. And like a muscle that's you know, been damaged and is creating new tissue connectivity that's trying to work within its new environment, it's, it's really quite amazing how adaptable this economy has been given the challenges it's faced with this virtual shutdown, and it surprised a lot of people. I mean, CNBC uh, conducted an interview, or I'm sorry, a survey recently, and 67% of the respondents said that the recovery is happening faster than they expected. And surprisingly, 53% of the respondents believed that the recession was already over. So the question is, why? I mean, why are things bouncing back so quickly? And I'll have time for maybe uh, running over three potential reasons. 
for that. The first reason is this recession wasn't caused by massive structural imbalances, kind of like what you saw in the lead up to 2008, where consumers were so indebted that they had to reduce their debt load before they could consume again. So there wasn't this big asset unwind uh, that needed to happen first. Expectations were just simply too high to begin with. And this chart shows that. It shows the difference in consumer optimism today compared with future expectations. And, and, and how you read it is when it's high, consumers are less optimistic about the future. When it's low, they view the situation as likely getting better in the future. In other words, they're more hopeful about future expectations. And we see that when you look at the chart, recessions often occurred when the difference was at its highest point. And in fact, coming into COVID this year, we, we were at the widest gap we had seen since 2000. So the fact that this measure has come down is actually a positive sign that consumers have now embraced a more realistic assumption going forward. The second reason I like to point to is fiscal injections. Um, and, and what I've shown on the chart here, a personal disposable income, which is, look at the blue line. It was actually up in April, uh, an incredible 16% year over year, something we've not seen in the last half century. And as of the last reading, it's still up 8% year over year. Meanwhile, remember, GDP has fallen off a cliff. That's the impact of a government transfers of almost $3 trillion into the economy. Without that government aid, incomes would have actually fallen 6% initially. Look at the orange line there. And they would still be down about 3% year over year. This is why the fiscal cliff is so watched as to whether Congress passes another bill and, and then how the markets receive that. So the third uh, reason I'd like to, to point to is uh, monetary support. And by monetary support, I simply mean the Fed stepping up in March to backstop the financial system. It ensured that there was plenty of liquidity to keep the financial plumbing from freezing over, and it actually signaled the bottom of the equity market. Their effort has simply been gargantuan. And so total stimulus has amounted to about $3.5 trillion, and it's resulted in a lot of things, but among them, money supply growth of 23% year over year, which is by far the highest we've seen in 60 years, where the average growth in money supply has really been more like 7%. Now, I want to point these reasons out because while the fiscal and monetary support have been important for the recovery, there will be longer-term side effects that need to be considered. And one of the most significant is the impact of a rising debt burden on economic growth. This chart shows U.S. economic growth relative to long-term trend, that's the green bars, and it shows the debt burden in the blue line. When debt is on the rise, economic growth tends to slow down, and we saw it in the 1930s, and it's actually been happening again since the 1990s, and actually since the last financial crisis in 2008, we've actually broken below trend. And the negative sloping green bars tell us that even though we were in expansion since 2009, the growth rate and worker earner, earnings gains have actually been modestly relative prior uh, to prior expansions. 
And this is because debt crowds out economic growth, which then incentivizes policymakers to hold rates lower. Lower rates in turn drive asset prices higher, which then temper future investment returns. But it has other consequences too. It increases wealth inequality. It hinders creative destruction. And it increases the risk of periodic bouts of inflation. And it adds challenges to the U.S. dollar exchange rate. It just increases the level of uncertainty around the range of potential future outcomes altogether. So no one has any idea how this all plays out, right? A, a lot depends on what policymakers do. But um, I do think uh, it's important that I, I can't present all these issues without making the next point. And that is, back in 2007, the former CEO of Microsoft, Steve Ballmer, right, very, very important man and very smart man, very smart company, made the observation that there's no chance that the iPhone is going to get any significant market share. Now, he later said, $500? That's the most expensive phone in the world, and it doesn't appeal to business customers because it doesn't have a keyboard, which makes it not a very good email machine. Now, I think we all know what's transpired since. Uh, my point here, though, is not to deride Mr. Ballmer at all. My point is that even though in the short term there's always an endless amount of challenges, though, uh, and, and there's also a lot of things that look really evident currently, the long term is full of opportunity on all levels because people are extremely creative and innovative, and they should never be undersold because they are the engine of growth, of course, it is human nature to overweight the short term and underweight the long term because, you know, the short term often surprises to the downside. But you know what? The long term usually surprises to the upside. And the iPhone is just one very small example of that. As people continue to get back to work, we should be able to recover from this pandemic. And I would say maybe even relatively quickly because it was more of an income shock than a deflating of a debt bubble. Of course, there will be some setbacks and even some scarring along the way, which that's unavoidable. But that's why in the midst of the virus, the election concerns and market volatility, the call for investors is not to despair, but to prepare. And that means not getting fixated on the short term at the expense of the long term. It means uh, being prepared for greater path uncertainty, and a wider range of outcomes. That's why diversifying, especially by time horizon, is so important, given this extreme environment of low interest rate. Okay, I hope you found that helpful. Sorry for the, the length of that, but I couldn't really find a place that was good to stop it, and I thought it was all good information. So that was Brian McClard, Director of Investments at Ronald Blue Trust. He's a Charter Financial Analyst and heads up that team down there. Great team. You got a question for me? Of course, you can always send an email to me if you want to at mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, 
feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And if you want to find out more about the local upstate office of Ronald Blue Trust, go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville, and you'll get the bios of all of the great advisors and staff that we have at the uh, at the Greenville office. And so we're, we're pleased with that. We're also pleased to work with Brian McClard, who you just heard, the director of investments. If you want to copy that audio along with the slides, slide deck that goes with it, be glad to send that to you. So you just send an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com and just put uh, economic update or something like that in the subject line or the body of the email and we'll be glad to send that to you. I know that's going to appeal more to some of the some of you more hands-on type investors. Most of you could care less about all those statistics and all the things that are in there although they're very important. And so one of my jobs here in talking money is to try to filter through all that and and give you a summary. And that was a pretty good summary, I thought, from Brian there, but a little different than my my usual market update, which I did pretty much the first half of the Talking Money program today. Uh, so some things that, um, and, and of course, if you want to learn more about how we may be of help to you, and if you want to consider using uh, the local office here to help you with your financial planning uh, analysis, decisions, your investment management, those kinds of things, uh, just give us a call, that same number, 800 800- 588 plan so that's 800-588-7526 is the number that you can reach me and of course you can use that same number if you want to leave a message we had a number of people do that for the home going um, packet they just called and left word they didn't either have a computer or didn't have a good printer or something so they just called and left word on a voicemail that they want those documents you can ask for the economic update that way as well that is something we do have to send by email so if you don't have uh, an email address uh, it's not something you you would you want to print um, but anyway that's that's a place to get it all right so in the minutes we have left here today so one of the things that uh, what Brian did there was a few weeks ago uh, they put out the team put out a, another piece as of September 30th uh, that is approved for general distribution always got to make sure it's approved by the compliance people uh, they have a page here in this PowerPoint that talks about the investment landscape. So, and essentially, we believe the global economy is recovering. Brian kind of referred to that from the pandemic-induced recession. That's important to know why the recession happened. And I think most people realize that, even though the Democrats are trying to blame Trump for all that stuff. It was a pandemic-induced recession as economic growth has returned. So it's recovering from all that. Of course, it's in varying degrees depending on where you are in the country and where you are in the in the world, really. Uh, equity markets, uh, point number two, continue to rebound, bolstered by stimulus measures from central banks. 
and government spending to support businesses and individuals adversely impacted by the recession. So we've had a lot of stimulus that's come out, as we know, even as that question that was asked earlier about that, is it taxable? Um, so the the Fed and the uh, policy makers have, have done a lot to try to st- stimulate, uh, get us through this uh, situation. And, uh, as of course, I would agree with Dennis Prager that a lot of that's been self-induced. We didn't need to go as much as we did. It's not a pandemic. It's not a coronavirus necessarily induced recession. It was, uh, shutting down the economy. I know we got to be careful. And, uh, and, and Dennis is very good at that. Um, cause it is a serious thing. And for those who hits, but to, to try to say we're more interested in safety than we are in, in living our lives is, I think, a stretch and it's not too, too American. Anyway, enough of that political statements. Back to the other stuff. So interest rates have been pushed to extremely low levels. As, as all of you know who have money invested in a money market account or you're trying to find some decent rate in a CD, it's non-existent. Uh, they've been pushed to extremely lows and are likely to remain until labor markets approach the levels of strength seen pre-COVID-19. So until we see the labor market stabilizing, uh, we're, we're thinking that the interest rates are going to stay low like that, which... And, and from a economic, from a government standpoint, and even from a tax standpoint, it helps because the extreme debt that we have now, we're paying very low interest rate on that debt. So that helps uh, not make it worse. If interest rates were to go up too much, then we have another issue with how much money we owe uh, on an annual basis just to repay interest. Uh, the last thing as far as belief is uncertainty remains. I think everybody would agree with that. And uncertainty remains as investors navigate a stubborn pandemic, an uneven economic recovery, and an impending U.S. election. Market volatility will most likely persist. And we've, because this past week was a great week. We had one of the best, I think maybe the first week, um, in three weeks, I think, of positive returns for the market. So it was nice to see some stabilization there. And then the recommendations, four recommendations, stay focused on the time frame aspect of your financial goals. And I referred to this earlier, and that is to make sure you don't have all your money that's in the stock market, as I, I doubt anybody does. But don't worry about having money that's not hardly earning any interest because that's money that you can get to. You're, you're sacrificing that return for access and lack of, of volatility. So it's, it's there. It's stable. You know, you're going to get to it. And I would say, and, and be very careful because I ran into somebody up in North Carolina a few weeks ago. He was asking me questions about it. I just met him, but he found out what I did and he was asking me questions and he was saying, well, the annuities just seem uh, very attractive to be able to replace the the pensions that used to be out there, and I said, well, yeah, that's that you know maybe a factor to consider, but you got to remember how expensive, how much money that's going to cost you to get that guarantee, and that and especially the index annuities where if the market goes down and get zero, well, at least if you if you buy a five year treasury, ten year treasury, you're going to get something whether the market goes up or down, and if you're that concerned about the market going down, then 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 don't uh, don't have anything that's even tied to the market, which an indexed annuity is. Number two, reliance on reserves set aside for near-term cash needs. So you recommend, as I say, set aside stuff for near-term and don't, don't be caught with everything in something that's going to be volatile, even bonds, because they, they can be very volatile. Number three, remain globally diversified across multiple asset classes while minding valuations. So I've got a lot of research stuff here. Of course, in two minutes, I can't cover all that. <laughs> but there's a lot of information, and, and our firm as a whole 
uh, is leaning more toward emerging markets uh, that as opposed to the U.S. markets for longer-term returns, uh, not necessarily for the next six months, a year, whatever, but it uh, looks like the valuations are better there, and it's a good place to consider putting some money. The last item on the recommendations, resist the temptation to time the markets. And and that's uh, can be seen as something even say, I'm just going to get out of the markets now because I, I don't know what's going to happen with the election. My recommendation there would be just to, uh, as we've done for a few clients, just increase your cash reserves. Have it enough there to get through all this that you don't have to worry about which way it's going to go and you don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to have enough cash or you're going to have to sell something when it's down. Then just have some more cash. Yeah, you might miss some of the outside, but that's okay. But don't get get everything out because you just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, despite who wins the election, what's going to happen to those markets? And you want to make sure that you're prepared either way. So it's, uh, we can't time those markets. Don't try to time the markets. And just make sure you have enough liquidity and consider that stock market. It's a five to ten plus year investment. It's not a two year investment. So it's going to go down. We know it's going to fluctuate. Uh, just try to ignore it the best you can. I know that's hard to do, but try the best you can. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, how to evaluate an advisor. We're talking about the, the CFPs, CLU, CKA, CFPs, and all the other anacronyms that are out there, all those uh, designations. We'll kind of uh, go through all that next week on the next Talking Money. Have a great weekend. Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.